It's the MMA Geeks C-Level Podcast with your hosts, Stan Dryav and Nick Bracha. Welcome to episode 170 of the MMA Geeks C-Level Podcast. This is your host, Stan Dryav, and my co-host, the middling UFC fight night to my ESPN schedule, Nick John Braccia the third. Nick, it's not the best card on planet Earth. We're coming off a pretty mediocre card, uh, but we're still going to break this thing down real quick. Yeah. When I when you're scanning a card and I'm like, well, at least it's got Jay Collier. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> that's a bad sign, huh? <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 yeah. This one, it's got uh, some alphabet soup names too. I can't wait to see us butcher them. A good, a pretty good main event that would be a, a good opener for on a pay per view card, you know? Oh yeah, I agree. The main event is really like that's where every that's where this entire fight night is. And it's funny because this main event was moved over from last week's card. Can you imagine had it not been? But to be fair, it was a pretty good main event. Moicano versus um, versus who's that Armenian fellow who's who's really elite with his wrestling? Sure, you can. Sorry, you can. Yeah, that, sure that, you can. That is a pretty Iger uppercut. Fight. Iger sorry. uppercut. Sorry, is that a thing that he does? No, sure. Sure oh, you can. Sounds I like see. sure you can from I Street see. Fighter sure. Two. It's a famous video game. Oh, I'm I'm familiar with Street Fighter. Ken and Ryu. Sure you can. Very familiar, good sir. I enjoyed that game back in the day. But Nikolai, I've realized that fighting involves more than superpowers. In fact, less than. You'd be a good Vega. I'd be a good Vega. Yeah, you're built was, like Vega. Was Vega the no? Who, Vega who was, was the handsome the Spaniard. Uh, I, um, oh, the Muay Thai guy was Sagat. That's right. He's Sagat. the one who would say Tiger uppercut, but it would come out of the machine like Iger uppercut. That's right. That's right, man. Yes, good times. So Nikolai, look again, not a fantastic card, but the main event is pretty solid. Ricky Simone versus Yidong Song. These are top level bantamweights, and bantamweight, in my opinion, the best division in all of mixed martial arts. So that is saying something. Like honestly, these two guys at this skill level, at heavyweight or light heavyweight, they're either champion or number one contender level. Here at 135, though, it's a little bit of a different dynamic. We've got number number eight or so versus number nine. Uh, I believe you have the first pick this week, and Nikolai. Because my two-point pick didn't count, even though I picked Sergei Pavlovich for two points, because it didn't count, you picked up another half a point on me, so you are now four points ahead. Congratulations on that. Make your first pick, fella. Piecing you up, bro. Piecing you up. But yeah, we're not... We haven't been doing doing really great lately. No, it, to, to be fair, the last week's card, favorites went three and seven. Nobody picked that card well. Yeah. Nobody did, Nick. The, the the best record I've seen is somebody picking, I think, three or four fights correct on that one. It was it was a rough card for, for actual predictions, picks, for bets, unless you heavily invested in underdogs. All right. Well, let's get this started. I'm going to go with the Swiss judoka, uh, Stephanie Egger, uh, to beat the Russian Ronda, Irina Alexkiva. I just don't... Four-in-one fighter, like... Hasn't won in the UFC yet. Went over Stephanie Page and Bellator. Like, I just... I also think it's weird that someone's nickname is the Russian Ronda. Like, I don't trust that. That's like... <laughs> that seems highly aspirational to me. I hear that. Like, let's think about this. How did Baby Fedor do? Not that good. I'm, like, not, even sure. Uh, I'm not even sure who he is. I actually, I think... Oh, I you don't remember ba- you remember Baby Fedor? He was this, like, chubby-looking young guy, baby-faced fighter. Who, who, who trained with Fedor, is that right? Yeah, he trained. He was from yeah, part of Red that. Devil. And he was okay, but he got he got busted for PEDs pretty early on. Well, and I don't right. really remember him coming back, like, after that. But it was like a... 
yeah, they were pushing him as baby Fader. Not quite as pathetic as those days when, uh, oh my God, who's the Bellator announcer? Mauro Ranallo, who I love. I like Mauro Ranallo, but when he they, when they were trying to sell OSP as a thing, like GSP was a thing, they're like, yeah. people would think it's similar. It's got three letters and two of them are S and P. Anyway. Baby um, Fader is actually three and three in his last six fights. Prior to that, uh, he's still overall, active. Decent record. Uh, yeah, he fought in July of last year. But in any case, wow. Nick, I I agree with you on the pick. I, I think that uh, um, Irina, she's kind of wild swinging. She has pretty good kicks. Pressures forward into the clinch in hopes of a takedown. Her Brazilian, like I would say, her ground game is her game is her like main game. But I don't think her in between is all that great, despite the judo pedigree, which like you can't really get any footage on. So I agree with you, Stephanie Edgar, with the UFC experience. You got to go with her, and I think I think it's not unreasonable to make this pick this early. My next pick is going to be in the matchup between Natan Levy and Pete Rodriguez. The truth is that Pete Rodriguez, like the odds are too wide here because Natan Levy, he can be hitman a lot. Now he's tough and he can push through being tired. He can push through being hurt. He's got really good kicks. More importantly, he goes for takedowns and he settles in from top position and he scores that way. Pete Rodriguez is explosive standing, but he like went in and fought uh, Jack Magdalene in his first fight and got you know got taken out of there, which is understandable. No, no shame in that. And then he and then he fought uh, M- Michael Jackson and Mike Jackson in his la- in his second UFC fight and stars him right. So he fought about the best level of competition you can fight in your first couple of UFC fights then the worst level of competition possible hard to tell where he really is but I've got to go with Natan Levy who I know will go for takedowns and uh, I believe that is a weakness of Pete Rodriguez worst case Levy can hopefully keep it in kicking range and not take too much damage standing so you're going with Natan Levy that fight is canceled dude Oh man, that is good. Yeah, I was just trying to figure out. I was like, "What the hell is he talking about?" Yeah, Rodriguez you know is what? sick. I think there was another fight that was canceled, if, if I'm not mistaken. Um, that's good to know. Okay, um, in that case, <laughs> I I am going to go for all our listeners. For all our listeners, somebody I, didn't look at topology. <laughs> I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. Well, yeah, not not today anyway. Not very recently. I'm, I'm gonna just, go with Josh Quinlan over Trey Waters. Josh Quinlan is a really good a really good boxer. Really heavy hands. Made his UFC debut with success. Um, the thing is that he's much shorter than Trey Waters, who's 6'5 in this division, which is like insane. Uh, he's solid. He's fast. He's a dangerous striker. Has an active jab. Fights with some swagger once he gets kind of the advantage, but he uh, lost to Gabriel Bonfim. In fact, a couple of his losses in the amateurs and the pros have been by submission. And Josh Quinlan, what I did mention about him is that he's a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. And I think like with, with, with that in tow, he should be able to hopefully apply that. Um, so we'll, we'll we'll see we'll, we'll see what happens in this one. I'm I'm curious about this matchup. How Should many be fun to watch? How many points is uh, plus two hundred worth? Uh, plus two hundred is worth two points. Just two. Interesting. Okay. Um, boy, this sure is fun to pick this card. Um, ugh, I don't expect this to be like a fun fight. But I'm gonna go with. You're gonna have to help me with this name. I'm gonna go with Kyle. I'm gonna go with Kyle uh, Bralo over. Yeah, over Mikhail uh, Oleksandrov. <laughs> I mean, mostly because Bralo exhibits one of the most tremendous, like, like second to second um, point scoring fight IQs in the UFC. Like, I feel like this guy gets on the track and the wavelength of the fight and what he needs to do to win and his ability to kind of me- measure how he's controlling the fight like I haven't really seen anybody push that off balance yet and I 
I think, you know, I think that Mikhail Olashechik is, um, you know, he's good. I just don't, I don't think he's going to stump Barallo. I think Barallo is going to keep being, he's going to be able to do the same shit he always does. I think the odds are so wide here that I probably would have gone for the three-pointer on Olexechuk just because he's so dangerous in that first round. He's so UFC experienced. He's down at 185 where he should be. But, you know, he was looking a little bit rough against Cody Brundage, who was able to take him down and get some control on him before he turned things over and finished him. And you're right. Cal Barello is good at doing exactly that. He will take your back and keep it for the remainder of the round. Um, he's also like a Leo Machida-style striker standing up. He stays at a distance, uses that footwork, and doesn't allow you to come into range. And when you are trying to come into range, he'll pop you with a quick counter. Um, look, all else being the same, I'm favoring Barello. But at these odds, I would have probably picked Olianchuk for three points. Um, but again, well, yeah, but you need you need to catch up a lot. You're in a des- you're a desperate man. I wouldn't say desperate. Four points. Is desperate man. Uh, Desperate man on his back has not taste has not tasted victory in so long he cannot imagine imagine what it tastes like. But he's the champion. You can't. So what if he lost a couple of rounds? He's the champion, Nick. You don't yes, remember I'm that. That's a long person. That's a long time ago, man. Oh, he has a long great memory, time. Nick. Part the of the world was champion. the world was a different place, man. There were no there were no aliens. There was no there wasn't last time you won. There was no Lady Gaga. There was no President Biden. <laughs> There was it was a different place, man. Uh, think about think about this. Think about how many icebergs there were the last time you were ahead, and now there's like forty percent fewer icebergs. I mean, I don't even know what to say. You just went from Lady Gaga to Biden to icebergs. Like, what? Where are you going to go next? Nicole? It's because I'm quantum so far physics. ahead of you. Yeah, I am. No, my my mind's working quantumly. That's why I haven't been able to outpick you for the last two and a half months. That's true, but man, are you still? You've still never sniffed that title, Nick. We'll see what happens. Nikolai, um, I uh, look I, again. All is being the same. I agree with the pick, but I probably would have gone with the three pointer. Um, I, I do think Mahalo Lianchik. I think you can get him at like plus six hundred, plus six fifty by knockout. That's worth sprinkling just a little bit, just given that's the only way he really wins. And you know he's not necessarily going to win this fight, but if he is, it's going to be in that fashion. Um, odds should be closer here. My next pick is going to be. We don't condone gambling. Do your own research. Uh, my next pick. <laughs> you're acting as if somebody's going to sue us, which, by the way, possible. My next pick is going to be. In the matchup, and, and I and I do think a lot of these picks, despite the odds, are they're way harder to pick than they appear. I think I'm going to go with Rodolfo Vieira to beat Cody Brundage. Um, again, odds are a little too wide apart, but Rodolfo Vieira is an expert Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu artist, and as soon as Cody Brundage was on his back uh, in his last fight, fight against Mikhail Olejanczyk, we saw what happened. He he couldn't do a gosh darn thing. Now, Cody Brundage is a decent wrestler. He's got decent striking, but Rodolfo Vieira... You know, even in fights that he lost in the UFC, he landed uh, he landed some pretty clean, some pretty big strikes. And even in, in a fight that he wasn't able to score a takedown um, against uh, against who's that gentleman who trains with Sean Strickland, who recently lost to um, damn it, these names, Nick. These names are always my my bane. That is my weakness. Remember recalling names, Nick. Um, Chris Curtis. Chris Curtis, no. right. When he lost to Chris Curtis, Nick, he actually landed some pretty big bombs and he wasn't able to get a takedown. I don't think he's going to be able to get the takedown here. Cody Brundage, I'm not convinced his cardio either. So I think Rodolfo Vieira should take it. I, I, I think I tend to agree with you, but if he, if, if I always worry about Vieira gassing. Oh, I totally hear you there. I, it's, it's hard to argue If, if he doesn't get Brundage, if he tries hard and doesn't get Brundage out... Yeah, I could see a lot of guard flops in, this, in the subsequent rounds. 
Uh, th- th- that is possible, but I'm not convinced in Cody Brundage's ability to to keep going for the long haul with his lack of experience. But I do hear where you're coming from. It's a real concern with R- Rodolfo Vera, who's a really, really good grappler, really athletic, but you know has some pretty serious holes in his game that I think a higher level of competition is capable of exploiting. I'm not so sure about Cody Brundage. What's your next pick? You're a high level of competition. Thank um, you. I, by the way, I cannot... Tell the difference between Cody Durden and Cody Brundage, but we'll talk about that later. I guess one's a flyweight, but <laughs> the, the, the fucking, size would be one I just, giant. I, yeah, difference. I just don't like Cody's. Just keep Cody's away from me. Well, Durden's um, a really unlikable Cody. Uh, Brundage seems like he might be a decent human. I'm not sure. It's hard. Hard. Oh, Kelly Newsom is canceled as well. Good to know. Most Cody's have. Uh, well, Newsom's got Newsom got a new fight against Marcus McGee. Whoa, whoa! At one forty, they're fighting. Nick, these are all updates that I was not familiar with. Go on. Uh, yeah, like, I don't know enough about Marcus McGee. Um, oh, Transit MMA Lab. All right, I'm going to go with, listen, Waldo Cortez Acosta has got, like, boxing experience. He, he looks cool. <laughs> like, I've, I've never been, um, you know, I'm not I'm not a, a huge fan of uh, Marcus Rosario de Lima against this generation of heavyweights. Yes, he beat... He he did defeat in, in like very old versions of Ben Rothwell and Andre Arlovsky. Um and he's also you know he also beat Maurice Green, but like I don't know. I think um, I think Cortez Acosta should like should be faster. Um, I think is probably more athletic and. I haven't seen him look terrible yet. <laughs> I've seen Marcus Rosario de Lima look terrible. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I think I think Lima's going to come in with a lot of confidence because of his recent victories. But I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go I'm going to go with Cortez Acosta by knockout. Yeah, I, I disagree with the pick. I mean, it's it's basically a pick. I'm or, or close to it. So I see where you're coming from. And that's a two like- point. That's a two pointer for me. Is it really? Is he's a plus one fifty at this point? So plus one thing, plus one sixty in some books. Got it. So the thing about it is, Marcos Rogério de Lima has a pretty solid top position ground game. He has pretty decent wrestling, and he hits incredibly hard. Whereas Waldo Acosta Cortez, who's a who's a fast um, heavyweight with good hands, doesn't have a whole lot of pop. Right outside of his jab, how much else can he really do in this matchup? Um, and yeah, maybe he has better cardio than Marcos Rodriguez de Lima, but Marcos has a tremendous amount of experience. So I, I, I disagree with the pick, but, uh, but going for a two pointer in a heavyweight fight, uh, I don't really blame you, especially against the guy who's like right around 40 years old, Marco, Marcos Rodriguez de Lima. My next pick is going to be in the matchup between Haley Cowan and Jamie Lynn Horth. Uh, Horth is undefeated. She's tall, athletic, pretty powerful. Great takedown defense, but not like as natural yet, right? Like she needs to gain more experience to become just more smooth overall in her game to piece all of her elements of, of her game together. Again, talented though. Cowan, uh, she pressures forward. She's got decent fight IQ and and okay game planning. Decent striker, but not a whole lot else. I don't think she's going to be able to get takedowns in this matchup. I've got to go with Horth, and I think uh, there's some value at these odds. Can you say that name again? Uh, Jamie Lynn Horth. I just think you're saying Horth. All right. Um, boy, look at these fights. Look at these fights. Ugh. What you got next, buddy boy? I, who the f- let, me, let me discover who Marcus McGee is. Okay, he looks like he, he's 32. He looks like he's 104. Uh, MMA lab fighter. 
I mean, first time in the UFC, big step up. Take your take, take your time, please. We've seen. I mean, dude. I mean, this is new stuff. This is new data. Then pick another uh, fight. Jeez Louise. No, I'm gonna go. Um, now I'm gonna go with Jerry Newsom over this guy I've never heard of. Yeah, um, th- this dude has experience. Trains at the MMA lab, and they they come in like a little bit more crafty than uh, than most UFC debuting fighters. He did take this fight on a couple days' notice. Uh, I tend to agree with you. He's, a, he's largely a striker. Has pretty good hands. Pressures forward. Jordan Newsom mostly is a kicking game. I think he came in with like boxing experience. I think his father was a boxer, if I'm not mistaken. But I, I tend to agree, agree with you. I think uh, I think you're making this pick at right around the se- uh, the right time, and I probably would have made it. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad the second place picker has uh, have his approval. And and I'm glad your insecurities are coming out of this portion of the podcast. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not insecure about anything. I'm just. How do, I don't know how you have an inferiority complex when you're in the lead, man. Like I'm just <laughs> cutting promos on you for our audience. I don't know. I don't know. Let me tell you something, fair. You can oh, stay at home, go. baby. You can stay home <laughs> eating your pork and beans. You can be like, I love my daughters. I'm gonna have a wonderful, wonderful life. And while you're doing that, man, mm-hmm. all I'm doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> This, this went sideways so no, bad. No, this is fantastic. Please keep going. This is actually fun. All I'm doing is my homework, bro. I'm in the gyms training with these guys, brother. <laughs> uh, Nikolai, my next pick is going to be... Uh, I think I'm going to pick from the main event. Your dog song is Wow, explosive. I can't believe you're going for the main event already. No, it's a, it's a close one. I just feel like all of these are so close. All of these could go either way. The fights that are left on this card, and I think we only have, what is it, four fights left here. Uh, look, Ricky Simone, Yong uh, Sedong Yong, really fast, really explosive. He's always had those talents, right? Um, his takedown defense has been a little bit of a liability in the past, and sometimes not even getting takedowns on him. Spamming him with takedown attempts can lead him to to kind of be more limited in his game with the worry of those takedowns. We've seen him have some tough battles. The guy's a tremendous amount of UFC experience. And really more importantly, he's extremely powerful. He's coming off of that uh, cut stoppage loss to Corey Sanhagen. Then we've got Ricky Simone, who, you know, had some struggles throughout his UFC career, but he's always had an just a non-stop motor. He's a guy that can keep going forever. Uh, Marab Devashvili and him went to war in, in I think, Marab's maybe second UFC fight. might have been Marab's actual UFC debut. Um, they went to war, and he ended up choking out Marab at the end of that fight. I know Marab will argue that shouldn't have been a loss, but if you get choked out and if you're laying on your back and you're not able to get up at the end of a fight, you have been beaten, my friend. You've been finished. Um, and Ricky Simone was able to pull that off, but we saw him get knocked out by Uriah Faber, right? That is... That is legitimately concerning. We saw him lose to Rob Font uh, right after that Uriah Faber loss. And maybe maybe his mental uh, game wasn't where it could have been at the time. Um, but outside of those two losses in the UFC, he's been he's been largely untouchable. With wins over Montel Jackson, Barab Devashvili, Hani Yaya back in 2019. Uh, he beat Ray Borg, who's a good fighter. He beat uh, Kelliger, who's not a bad fighter. Rafael Sansao, he knocked out. Jack Shore, he got out of there within two rounds. I just feel like he is hitting his stride. My big concern is him getting caught. Yudong Song is a powerful, powerful striker. And he could just end the night at any moment out of nowhere. But Yudong Song struggles with takedown artists. And Ricky Simone is nonstop takedowns. Ricky Simone's going into a five-rounder here. He's the guy that's known for cardio. Even though Yudong Song, to be fair, has had multiple, I think at least one five-round training camp. And gone into that fourth round against Corey Sanhagen. I'm going to take Ricky Simone here, realizing that there's a lot of risk because his durability is really the difference, right? Ricky Simone, his striking, by the way, has gone come along strides. He can he can hit you going backwards. He can hit you going forward. But again, if he gets hit clean, that's a concern. Him getting knocked out by Uriah Faber, who is a coach and uh, and and a mentor for Yudong Song, all of that is somewhat concerning. But I'm going to go with uh, Ricky Simone. Having said that. 
I think underdogs have had uh, have had the edge uh, and when it comes to main events of the UFC this year. Underdogs have won more than lost, so this you know absolutely could go either way. Yeah, this is a super exciting fight, and he does maintain. He really does maintain his power throughout, but Simone does have a more mix a more mix of a game. The other question is like the is just mental like i like simone a lot but how many cards has he carried how many main events has he been in i definitely think that the faber loss was a mental flub i think he psyched himself out against against a legendary and like famous fighter but like where's his head gonna be at in a in a main event all eyes on him standing uh you know across the cage from one of the division's most furious power punchers like it's a good yeah i don't know i do think that simone has the has the higher upside um, as a as a fighter at this point. I think Sadong like relies a little too much on his pop, um, but yeah, this is a real real tough one. But I, you know, I tend I always tend to go with the fight go with the fighter that's got more paths to victory. But wouldn't it all be surprised to see Simone get, um, you know, to get dropped? So you, uh, so you are uh, uno- unofficially picking Simone, but obviously yeah. consider close. Got it. Yeah, I'm, I'm just a bigger fan of his, and I think he's got the bigger upside. But like, I will not be surprised at all if he gets KO'd. Also, he's um, got a proper mullet, Nick, and that's that's gotta that's gotta go yeah. some ways in likability. Um, all right, next I'm gonna go with uh, this guy is such a all or nothing fighter. Uh, I'm gonna go with Julian Arosa over uh, Fernando Padilla. Yeah, I think that's probably the right call. Both are like 6'1 at 145, so both are giant, giant men, uh, particularly for this weight division. But Julian Rosa has got all the experience in the world. The problem with Padilla is that he has serious power. Um, I don't think he's got decent decent wrestling, like decent good clinch, but lacking activity. Like he's active off his back, but he's a little too comfortable off his back. That's where the concern comes in. But Julian Rosa can get caught, man, so there's a real risk here. These odds are super close considering the... UFC experience disparity and considering the fact that Julian Ross has got some really legitimate wins at the UFC level but he's coming off of a knockout loss by a head kick um, and I wonder where his chin is after that because to begin with his chin is not super reliable right um, my next pick is going to be from the Cody Durden Charles Johnson matchup it's a tricky one because Cody Durden at these odds is very enticing right is he is he plus 150 at the books that you're looking at Nick I have to pull them back up yeah, um, the fact of the matter is Charles Johnson doesn't have the best takedown defense, but his his get-up game is pretty solid. His striking is really good. Problem is that he can be a little bit low output at first. He's used to that almost five-round pace. Uh, no, he, he's not an underdog. I see it now. No. He's, used, he's used to that five-round pace um, that he was fighting at LFA, and he doesn't get the chance to do that in the UFC. Now, he, he was able to blow Jimmy Flick out of the water. He took a fight on 10 days' notice against Ode Osborne and lost that based on literally like what happened in the last minute of that third round because he was tired. Again, took that fight on short notice. Here he is about a month later competing. Um, the frequency does concern me a little bit. Uh, Cody Durden's a good wrestler. He's, he's a good pressure fighter, but he gets tired too. I think I'm going to take Charles, Charles Johnson, who has more five-round experiences, but more active overall. And the fact that they have a couple of similar opponents and Charles Johnson did better against them than did Cody Durden. A little bit of MMA math almost, but I, I just think Charles Johnson should put on more damage over the course of the fight. What do you think of this one? Um, I tend to agree with you. The um, 
And that leaves Jake Collier against Martin Bidet. Jake Collier has performed better than I thought he would at heavyweight. Part of me wonders if I should have picked Collier here over Bidet rather than taking Waldo Cortez Acosta. But, um, well, Waldo Cortez Acosta at least is an underdog, so you got the potential for two points on that one. Yeah. Yeah, this is just this is a card that exists. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, again, it should be a little bit more entertaining maybe than the last one, but Wait. the last one was bad. And did we pick Waters Quinlan? Is that still on the card? Waters Quinlan? I believe. Yeah, I believe I, I picked Quinlan in that one. Did you? Yes. Oh, I have that down. I have that down. Thanks. Sorry. Yeah. Um. So. Well, so you have you have Collier versus Budai. Well, no, that would be our extra pick. Right. Right. No, I'm saying who, who would you who would you choose? Uh, I would take. Oh, I would take Collier. Yeah, I mean, it, Budai arguably should have lost his last fight against a guy that's kind of similar to Collier and that he's a high up kickboxer. But Budai has, like, a clinch game. He's really a big, heavy, dense heavyweight. Jake Collier showed as soon as he was under Chris Barnett, Charles Barnett, um, Chris Barnett, I think. As soon as he was under him, man, it was just, like, too much weight. He couldn't handle it anymore. And I wonder if Budai's going to be able to find an opportunity to get on top. Budai's super slow. Collier super fast. This is a super, super close fight on paper. I guess I'll... I'll edge Budai just to disagree with you for fun, but but again, could go either way. Then, Both guys have the antidote to the other guys. And uh, we've got like, game. you know, we've got like a what seems like a twenty fight card with a, with only a couple of really interesting fights. Um, oh, I guess I thought Zalgo retired. I guess he came back. Oh, okay. Parker, I'm kind of glad because okay. he's a skilled guy. Okay, we got Drew Dober, Matt Frivola. That should Wait, be. Wait, you're talking about UFC two eighty eight here, right? Yeah. UFC 288 is taking place on the 6th of May, so that's going to be yeah, that's going to be the following week. I mean, look, Aljamain Sterling, Henry Cejudo is a fantastic fight. That yeah, well, that's great. Hopefully, well, hopefully Cejudo's. You know, we don't know what Cejudo is these days, but I'm a big fan of Triple C. Yeah, Blah Muhammad Gilbert Burns is a great elite welterweight matchup. Jessica Andrade versus Yao Ning Zhan. That's mm, a that's a darn a f- good matchup. Yeah, man. It's a fight. It's a fight night main event, I guess. Yeah, that one is. But again, it's the third fight in the pay-per-view. Movsar Evlov versus Bryce Mitchell. That's, that's, fight. that's fun. That's a fun fight. And, and then I, I think there is a decent-sized drop-off after that. Marina Rodriguez, Werner Jandiroba. That's interesting. Of, uh, battle of highly ranked fighters. Um, How has Werner Jandiroba huh? only lost three fights in her career? I see, uh, I guess it seems like she's lost more than that, but I suppose I, I think they were all in the UFC to Carla Sparza, Mackenzie Dern, and Amanda Hebos, right? So nothing to, nothing to sneeze at as far as who she's losing to. But she's got a couple notable wins in there as well. Um, let me see. Enzajuku, Devin Clark. That'll be maybe entertaining. That'll yeah, be a mess. mess. for sure. But probably entertaining, too. Um, Phil Hawes is fighting Ikram Aliskerov, who I don't know yet, who's 13-1, and one, Nikolai. Could be a promising prospect. We'll see. He's, hmm. he's coming you know, off a win he, over a guy that's 15-2. Uh, and two. He got knocked out by Khazmat Shemaev in the first round in 2019. You know what? I saw that fight a while ago. And I thought that he was doing pretty well, if I remember correctly, against Hamzat. Yeah, uh, Parker Porter, Braxton Smith. I mean, again, yeah, you're right. A bunch of forgettable matchups. But there are four or five fights that are pretty high level that have some repercussions on their respective divisions. And then, you know, a couple of, like, there's a Kron Gracie versus Charles Jordan striker versus grappler matchup on this one as well. Yeah, that seemed, I don't know why that's on the main card. Um... Just, I think, because Jordan is fun, and it's either going to likely either be a submission or a knockout one way or the other. And they like to open up their pay-per-view main cards with that kind of matchup. Although it looks like Movsar Evloev versus Bryce Mitchell might be the first one on the you main know, card. Ev- well, Evloev um, is a replacement fighter. He's coming in on short notice 
to replace Jonathan Pierce. That's right. I do. I do remember that originally being the matchup proposed. Pierce withdrew due to injury. I wonder how long Evloev has for this matchup. But these guys have been matched up before. I believe it was Evloev that pulled out previously. So curious how, how this goes. Curious how Thug Nasty does. I think Evloev is a. I think that's a. Hard, I think it's a harder fight. Um, so we'll see. That rarely happens that there's a switch and you get a harder fight. I mean, I don't know. Jonathan Pierce is pretty legit, dude. Like he is. He's, he's also he's someone good. that lost to Joe Lozon. You know, three four years ago. And it's five and zero since then. And prior he to is. that, prior to but that, not against five, not against top ten guys though. That's true. Yeah. Um, let me see. Maquan Amarconi, Darren Elkins, Christian Rodriguez. Yeah, not not high level competition at all. This would be a big step up for him had he showed up for this one. That'll but, be it for this episode. Yeah, it'll be, I'm, I'm curious to see what happens. I'm no Bryce Mitchell fan. I mean, he's exciting in the cage. He's just such a moron outside. I have trouble. Oh, absolute moron. No, no doubt about it. I, I, I somehow, like, somehow he's still likable, but he's absolutely nuts. Oh, by the way, the Bobby Green headbutt. Just quickly, what were your thoughts on that in that matchup against uh, Jared? Oh, Gordon? and there's been all this stuff since Felder afterwards. No, I thought the I thought the referee made I thought the referee made the the right call. It knocked. It was a it was like a flash KO. And like yes, he came too, but he was in an extremely dis—you know—he was he was buzzed out there. I think it was the right stop. But then people were like, "Well, Chris Curtis didn't get the benefit of that against Gastelum." It's like, well, it didn't it didn't compromise Chris Curtis in this in a, in the same way. Whatever Chris Curtis felt oh, and experienced, it compromised Chris Curtis pretty badly. It's just he but not not as bad not as bad as this. It didn't put him it didn't put him on his back and leave him. Not defending himself. It put him like, on his face, leave him on not defending himself, and then it seemed like those strikes woke him up. It's just the referee didn't notice it. It was harder to notice, honestly. Like it was super it, fast. This one was. A it was bit harder more to notice. It wasn't evident. as clean of a of a break in the fight. It was like it was almost the difference between like a um, you know a walk away knockdown and like you know it was just a split second. Like I well I, I will I thought, say one thing that I thought was a big difference is that is that in that prior matchup. These guys clashed heads inadvertently, and it happened. In this matchup, Bobby Green bent over at the waist and threw his head forward into Jared Gordon. Jared Gordon had nothing to do with this headbutt. Bobby Green literally bent over at the waist, and it looked like he was maybe going for a jab or a left elbow, and he just literally rammed his head right into him, man. Like, like yeah, that was, I, just, like, I thought the way, I guess Bobby Green had a lot of beef with Felder because Felder was very vocal and a little bit emotional because he's friends right. with Jared Gordon. Right. Um, but, you know, Bobby Green's going to Bobby Green. Yeah, naturally. Um, he's he's, he's going to come as close to the Diaz brothers as it gets in the UFC nowadays. And, and I guess there's an extent to which we can be thankful for it. The guy's absolutely Yeah, I insane. feel bad for Jared Gordon because if, I mean, if he had pulled off uh, and gotten a win in that fight, I would like to see him fight Patty again, although I can't I see the UFC doing that. Uh, yeah, th- th- that's the interesting thing, right? But Pat, definitely Gordon is in Patty's head in a big way. Gordon is handling this loss very badly. He can't help but bring it up in interviews that have nothing to do with that Gordon fight. Talk about how he's depressed and and he's injured and he's he is mentally going through something right now. So he, I think, he realizes that he probably lost that fight. He said he rewatched it and it was closer than he remembers or something. He realizes he lost that fight. He realizes he should have lost that fight, and it's really in his head, especially with the way I think that fans are reacting to it. He's getting the a pin, lot of hate from the Pimblet fight thing too. Yeah, Pimblet I don't think getting, Jared. I don't think Jared Gordon should have lost the Pimblet fight. No, no, I don't think he should have. What I'm saying is, oh, that you mean he's lost it? Meaning it's meaning it's he's not going to get it. No, I, I'm just saying that that Pimblet should have lost that fight to Gordon. And oh, Pimblet seems to seems to have Gordon in his head. Pimblet. Seems oh yeah, to be yeah, definitely. A rough phase in life right now. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, look, based on that alone, Pimblet was willing on paper to fight Jared Gordon. Since Jared Gordon now has been concussed and knocked out. So that matchup against, matchup against Bobby Green, the rematch, like, that's a huge disadvantage, the fact that you've been knocked out recently. I really hope that he takes like nine, ten months off at least after, after being clocked like that, man. Dude needs it. Yeah, not good. He's a guy who's had previous uh, somewhat durability issues. At least he's been knocked out a couple times. Nikolai, that'll do it for this one. Looking forward to getting two cards that matter more. Yes, sir. I will talk to you next week. Later, bye.